0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. If you're new today, my name is Bill. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for coming to worship with us today and check things out. And we hope that uh, we can answer any questions you may have. I'll be glad to meet with you following. If you would like to, I'll be down front here. So I look forward to that. As uh, As Dave referred to there, we are beginning a new season at Riverside. Our church calendar, we look at it from September to August. So last year we were talking about bold faith for the whole year. This year we're talking about forward motion. We're calling this year all about stepping forward so it's step forward the key verse comes from galatians the apostle paul writes since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit and uh, i i have to i have to point you to something how many of you got the email this week where i talked about the worship encounter and i mentioned this did you get the email See, I think a lot of people got it, a lot of people don't read it, but I just want to know if you got it. I wonder how many of you read that carefully, because there was a typo in there that's quite hilarious, and a few of you let me know you saw it, right? How many of you saw the typo, right? Rather than, since we live by the Spirit, the typo forgot the V, and it said, since we lie by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. (laughs) It's not what the Scripture says, yeah. We live by the Spirit. We don't lie by the Spirit. So each week, we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be talking about stepping forward, and this fall, we're going to begin this month with stepping forward with Jesus or stepping forward to Jesus, and then we're going to be talking about stepping forward with power by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about stepping forward with wisdom. That'll take us through the end of this year, and then we'll go forward after that too. So hopefully, we're not just going to be taking a step forward on Sunday morning and two steps backward during the week, right? We sometimes do take steps backward, but let's always be trying to say we're here because no matter what age or stage of life we are in, there is still more to gain from the Lord. There's still more forward steps, and each, each stage of life has particular challenges that we do need to overcome, so it's always going to be about overcoming and stepping forward. When I think about um, Let Us Keep in Step with the Spirit, as that uh, bumper video portrayed there, I talk about. I think about... I think about marching in step. You could tell the steps in that video, they were walking in step with the beat of the music. And when I think about marching in step, I think about a marching band. I think about um, maybe the, um, a coxwain, you know, kind of in a rowing um, um, uh, or band director, a drill instructor. The question I have for us is oftentimes we are marching in step to the beat of a drummer that is going to lead us in the wrong direction. And I think in life, we have to be aware of what's the beat that we're listening to. You might be a young person here today, and maybe you're keeping in step with the beat of some of your friends, and if you follow that drum beat of your friends, it's leading you down a dangerous path, and you need to know that. You need to be aware of that. I think many people in our country are listening to the beat of divisiveness and blaming and anger. And, and, and we, we just feed our minds with that constantly because it's addictive to us. There's something in our brains that that feeds us, there's an adrenaline rush when we get angry, and so we listen to things that make us angry, as much as we get angry about it, it's doing something for us, and we need to know that those who are feeding and beating that drum are making a lot of money off of beating that drum, the media, everybody that's keeping you angry and keeping you watching, they're making a lot of money off of beating that drum, and you need to realize you're listening to the beat of a drummer that's leading you away from Christ, it's leading you away from what's good and, and, and lovely and honest and pure and all those things that the scripture talks about. Maybe you're here today and you're listening to the beat of your own selfish pleasures and it's steering you towards some, some self-destruction. Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you're just under the beat of an abusive spouse or abusive parent or abusive boss and you're just getting beat down by it. Today's the day for you to say, I am going to begin listening to the beat of a better drummer. Perhaps that better drummer is that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that is inviting you to make some steps forward to God. Maybe today for you is a day to come back to God. Maybe it's a day for you to make that first initial step towards saying, Okay, God, I've heard a lot about you, but now it's time to walk with you. It's Now it's time to take steps forward with you. So this month, uh, we're going to take a look at several individuals who were in that place. They were listening to the beats of different drummers, and then they came to Jesus, and they stepped forward to Jesus, and he took them to a far better place. Today, I want to talk about a secret meeting with a public leader. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you want to follow along in your Riverside app, you'll see notes there. Hit the live event, click the Oakmont, and you'll get my notes that I put in there. And you're welcome to uh, make uh, notes there for yourself in that. So here it is, John chapter 3. It begins by saying, there was a man named Nicodemus who was a Jewish leader Who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, Nicodemus exclaimed? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can't hear the wind, but can't tell, just so you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now let me just say this real quickly because I know a lot of you are sitting here and saying I've heard this message before. And let me just say no you haven't. Let's let's pray. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. Amen? Spirit of God. There are a lot of people here that have it all together like Nicodemus did but they're They think they're close to you, but they might be farther away than they imagine. And then there are those that are here today that know they're far away and they need to take a step forward toward you. Whatever place we are in, I pray, God, that you'll give us ears to hear what you are gonna say to us through your word by the spirit of God. Speak through me and touch our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is talking here about the necessity and the wonder of new birth. It's a reality that doesn't have to be understood in order to be experienced. And it comes to people from the outside. It's not something that we can do for ourselves or work up for ourselves. Jesus is telling Nicodemus not that he must do something. He's explaining to Nicodemus, something's happening to you, Nicodemus. And let me explain to you what's happening to you. And I want to ask three questions here. This morning and the first one is simply this why does Nicodemus seek Jesus then I'm going to ask what's happening to Nicodemus and then I'm going to ask the question how does one know that he or she is born again so so why what brings Nicodemus to Jesus why does Nicodemus seek Jesus well I think simply put Nicodemus was curious he wanted to know more well that that's obvious right Are you still curious about Jesus, or do you know it all already? This is why I think this is for all of us to hear. Because I think a lot of us, well, man, I'm born again. I don't need to hear this. Are you really living in the new life that you have been given? Nicodemus was still curious. Now, Nicodemus, it says, he was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish scholar He was a member of the ruling council. He had status. He had esteem. He had intelligence. He was a person that was a leader among his people. Why would he need any more? And so the message, I think, for for a lot of people who have achieved a status in life, a place in life where we think that we have nowhere to grow or no more to learn, I want you to realize that even Nicodemus who had a lot going for him. He was a successful person. He was not a down and outer. He was an up and outer. He was, he needed, he was still curious. He's still a learner. He was still open-minded to learning new things. Are you open-minded? Are, are you still willing to learn new things or do you know it all? And that's what I like about Nicodemus. He, he was still curious. He's a constant learner. He's a lifelong learner. And, and I think a lot of people graduate maybe from college or they, they get their job, they reach a status in life, and they stop learning. They stop growing. And the point that I want to make for you and for me is, hey, let's never stop learning. It's, let's never stop growing. I look back at, at different ages of my life and, and I think, boy, at that point, I thought I had all the answers. And now I look back and I say, no, <laughs> there's still more to learn. And I look forward to learning more. I hope I'll know more at 70 than I know at 60. I hope I experience more and I'm open to learning in these next 10 years. Nicodemus was a leader, but he was still a learner. But he came at night. Why would he come at night to Jesus? Well, <clears throat> Nicodemus had status. Jesus did not. Jesus was an itinerant preacher from Galilee. You know, he was from, the, he, he was from Hicksville, Galilee wasn't, wasn't urban, was raised in poverty, uh, didn't probably get the greatest education in his Jewish school. Growing up, from their vantage point, they didn't realize that he knew more than they ever could ever imagine. But in their mind, he, he was just this person from Galilee. And so he was beneath Nicodemus's status. But not only that, Jesus was a bit of a troublemaker. He came into Jerusalem, and what did he do when he came into Jerusalem? In chapter 2, right before this story, Jesus goes in and he goes into the temple, the temple where Nicodemus was a Jewish ruler, okay, so he's sort of an authority on the board of directors of the temple, all right, let's call it that. And he's on the board of directors of the temple. And Jesus goes into the temple and he sees these money changers. He sees these people using the temple as a bazaar just to make money. So he goes in and just throws over the tables of the money changers and gets out a whip, starts getting people and chasing the animals that are being sold. And so, you know, people think of Jesus as this meek and mild, you know, um, but he was a troublemaker. <clears throat> so Nicodemus. He's going to come at nighttime. He doesn't want to be identified with a troublemaker. and, um, and he re- But yet he respected what Jesus was doing. Nobody else had the guts to do what Jesus was doing. And I think there was something inside of Nicodemus that said, you know, I think he's probably right. We have kind of loosened our, our standards. We, we have allowed things to go on here that wasn't right. So, so I like the fact that Nicodemus was humble enough To lower himself to meet with Jesus. Are you humble enough? Are you open-minded enough to think that maybe Jesus knows a little more than you? Maybe Jesus has some things to inform you even at this stage of life? And so he goes to him at nighttime. He goes in secret. He wants to be able to be transparent with Jesus and honest with Jesus, but he's also afraid of being identified with Jesus. So he, he was curious about Jesus, and then he was investigating Jesus. I believe that he saw what Jesus was saying and Jesus was doing, and he wanted to investigate him. Does this guy have his theology right? What does he really believe? And so is he really sent from God? Is he somebody that we should um, credential you know, he's the credentialing organization for rabbis. So is Jesus somebody that we could put our stamp of approval on, not realizing that he needed to have Jesus' stamp of approval? You know, he's, he's going there to try to investigate him. Maybe we can endorse his ministry. Maybe we can credential him. So he saw what Jesus was doing. He listened to what Jesus was saying. And, and, and I like the fact that he didn't prejudge Jesus, as did the other Pharisees. And he saw the signs and things that Jesus was saying, and he said, the time has come. Jesus preaching his message, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come. Repent, believe. He's saying, here's a time, folks, in history. This is the time where God is wanting to start something new. Here's a time where God is coming to earth. This He's basically announcing the Messiah has arrived and there've been a lot of false messiahs. So Nicodemus is saying, is this a false another one of those people? Is this another one of those false messiahs or is this the real one? So Jesus preaching the kingdom of God has come, repent and believe. And so you know, Jesus is saying, here's this time when God has promised that God's good will and God's good ways are going to come to earth and finally there would be justice and peace and Forgiveness and reconciliation and compassion and all these things would prevail as the Messiah comes as they were hoping for and Jesus was announcing that that was the beginning. So Jesus was really sounding and beating the the, the drum of a different kind of drummer. And Nicodemus wanted to find out what was that drumbeat all about. And so he went to investigate. I think a lot of people in our culture prejudge Jesus right? They prejudge Christianity. They, 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 they have an idea of what these born-againers are like because a few born-againers that they've known have given them an impression and it may be a good one and it may be a bad one, but they prejudge based on limited understanding, limited knowledge. And many people throw out Jesus, throw out you know, if you use even the, 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 the metaphor, but the baby with the bathwater, they see maybe some ways in which Christianity has gone astray, maybe in ways in which Christianity has been abusive. And so they say, well, Christ is wrong. Not realizing that they don't investigate Christ. And all I'm just saying here today, when was the last time you opened the scriptures and read it for yourself? And, and if you've never done that, don't prejudge Christianity because you've not even looked at Christ. I challenge you. I challenge you. Read the Gospels. Start with the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John the next few weeks. A good idea for you, if you want to really investigate Jesus, is read the Gospel of John for yourself. And just ask, what, who was this Jesus? What was he really like? If I lived in those days, would I have been um, repulsed by him or would I look at him and say this guy deserves my attention. So he investigated Jesus. He was curious about Jesus but he was drawn to Jesus. There was something about Jesus that was magnetic. There's this gravitational pull to Jesus and Nicodemus felt that pull knowing that that, uh, this person knew something and had something that I didn't have. He had heard about Jesus and his ministry in Galilee. He, he wanted to know more. He felt this magnetic pull toward Jesus. Something was happening to Jesus, to Nicodemus, and, and, and something was going on in his life, and, and, and something inside of him said, you better check Jesus out. You better go see him for yourself. Are you drawn to Jesus? Are you drawn to Jesus? Do you feel that pull? Do you feel that tug inside of you? You know, I, I, I've been kind of toying around this Jesus thing. I've been playing around with it for a long time. I even go to church on a, on a regular basis. And, and yet, you know, it's just sort of window dressing for me. I've not really looked into Jesus for myself. And, and I'm asking you. I'm asking you, what's drawing you to Jesus? Why do you seek Jesus? What brings you to Jesus? Because, see, I was, I grew up being brought to church by my parents back, you know, in the, in the 60s. I, okay, I'm old, but I don't want to offend any of you that are my age, but let's just face the facts, okay? Let's just face the facts. So, I, you know, growing up in the 60s, everybody went to church. If you didn't go to church, you were odd. You really were. And, I mean, it might have been the Catholic church, it might have been the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church, the Baptist church, whatever church you went to, you went to church. In fact, you couldn't do anything else on Sunday because nothing else was open. No stores were open. No, uh, no sports were played. I mean, the, the blue laws were in place and the whole culture was Christianized and everybody was forced to go. But you went to church because you had to. And I hated it. (laughs) I I didn't like it. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, I would rather stay home and watch cartoons and make fun of Catherine Coleman on television. (coughs) Which we did. And then a friend asked me um, when I was a teenager, are you saved? What the heck did she mean? I had no idea. Are you saved? What do you mean? And, and in her awkward way, just tried to tell me about Jesus and then invited me to come to a Christmas pageant at the church. And I did. And I don't know if it was because of her or because I felt the pull of Christ, but I kept going back. And honestly, uh, when I heard the gospel preached for the very first time, I knew. I knew there was something about that that I needed. And it was the Holy Spirit's pull. And I know many of you have a similar story. Many of you have a similar story. But it created a curiosity inside of me. I started to investigate because I was feeling drawn. And you know what? I would just like to think that maybe there's somebody here today. And you're saying, you know, that's me. That's me. I, I just feel something. I feel that. I know that I need to investigate this Jesus so why did he go at night? For those reasons, what's happening to Nicodemus? Well, Jesus is trying to explain to him what's happening to him. And I want you to know there's sort of two parts to this. There's the God part, which is the big part. And then there's the Nicodemus part, which is a very small part. But Nicodemus begins with this statement. Rabbi, we all know that God sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God's with you. And and so who's the we he says we all know well who's the we all well apparently his fellow council members of the sanhedrin must have been talking about this jesus maybe he was sent by them to investigate jesus i don't know but, but obviously, Jesus made a stir. People were talking about him. And they saw the miracles. They couldn't deny those things. They couldn't deny the message that he was preaching. So, so, they, that, 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 so God's doing something there. He said, God has sent you. God is with you. So they must have recognized that he had a message from God, but they didn't recognize that he was more than just a preacher. He was more than just a, a rabbi, more than just a messenger from God. They didn 't realize this was God in in, 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 in flesh and and um, so so Jesus says, "I tell you the truth unless you 're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. The word again there is is uh, in the original language is the word from above unless you're born from above, born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God and then he clarifies and he says, you must be born of the water and the spirit. So to be born from above is to be born of the spirit. He says, you must be born again. Now, that's not something Nicodemus is doing. He's saying that, that this is something that happens to you. you if you're, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. That doesn't a commandment that Nicodemus can, can, cause, can cause himself to be born again. But he's saying... that that this is what's going on inside of you and it's happening to you. And so he's telling him that he's starting to see God at work. He's starting to see the kingdom because he's being born from above. He's being birthed by the Spirit. Something's going on, Nicodemus, and Jesus is is just letting him know that. There's nothing Nicodemus can do to be born from above. Jesus says flesh gives birth to flesh in the the New International Version, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Spirit. You can't, give, you can't make yourself be born again. The Spirit has to give birth to you. It's a spiritual birth. Humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And this is a mystery. Spiritual birth is a mystery. It's inexplicable. He says the wind blows where it wants, and just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So, so, as a teacher of Israel, this is something that, that, that would have resonated when he talks about being born of the Spirit, because this is really a Hebrew concept, a Hebrew Scripture concept. The word for wind in Scripture is the word pneumatos, and that's the word for Spirit. Spirit and wind come from the same word. So, he talks about the wind blowing. You can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. So it is with the spirit. So that wind and spirit he could, he could relate to. And really, in, in, there's a couple stories in the Hebrew scriptures that I am sure a religious scholar like Nicodemus would have caught. One of those stories would have been the, the creation account. When God formed mankind out of the dust of the ground, what did God do? God breathed on him, and man became a living soul. The word for breath there, ruach, is the Hebrew version of the word for wind or spirit. And so we see the Spirit of God breathing life into humanity. In fact, I would say that Even your first birth involved the breath of God. Life itself is the breath of God. Life that God breathed into you when you took your first breath was an act of God. God created Adam and Eve, but God's involved in the creation of every human being. And and so I love the picture of God breathing life into them. And then there's the story in Ezekiel. And Ezekiel uh, was a a, a powerful message during the time of, of Jesus and it, it talked about in Ezekiel how God's gonna sprinkle clean water on them, Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, and you will be clean. How God's gonna come to these people who were in exile, these people who had known God once in their life, but they were far from God. They were they they they, they were living hard lives. They they had been crushed militarily and politically and economically and 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 so. These people are are feeling beat down and burdened and lifeless. And God says to them, there's going to come a day where where you're going to be made clean. You're going to be washed and made clean. And I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out that stony heart, that stubborn heart, give you a tender, responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you can follow my decrees and be careful to keep my regulations. How many of you need a soft heart? How many of you feel your heart's been hardened? How many of you could do well to have a new, soft, malleable heart before God? Life beats us down. We build up walls. We get betrayed. We build up walls. We lose a job. We build up walls. Walls are there to protect us, but those protective walls keep us apart from others, and they keep us away from God. And maybe today, for some of you, it's time to tear down the walls. It's time to let that hard heart become soft before God again. So that's Ezekiel 36. And then Ezekiel 37, the, the well-known story there about the dry bones. I love that story in Ezekiel 37. He says, and then, um, uh, uh, oh, the Spirit of God. I, uh, he asked me, God asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What does he say? I will make breath enter you. Spirit, breath, wind, same thing. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I love that. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come out of you, cover you with skin. I will put breath on you. You will come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. So in this vision of Ezekiel where he sees the valley of dry bones, God says, I'm going to cause a new life to come into those dry bones. And I just know that maybe you're here today and you're spiritually famished. You're you're spiritually parched. And and, and if God were to look at you, he, he would see a person who's just like dry bones and they need life again. Where's the life that you've had? Where's that passion that you've had? God wants to breathe new life into you. And that's what spiritual birth is all about. And so he's, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, This is what's going, this is what's happening to you. You're coming to life, you're coming to life. Nicodemus, you're a smart man. Nicodemus, you're a religious man. Nicodemus, you're a great leader. Nicodemus, you have all of this. But spiritually, you're a dead man, and now you're coming to life. God's doing a work in you. It's time to come to life. When the Spirit comes to you and breathes new life in you, it's inexplicable. You can't explain it. But you know what? You can't deny it either. You can't deny it either. I love the story of the the blind man that Jesus healed and when the Pharisees, Nicodemus's peers, went to investigate the healing because then they kind of turned against Jesus. And the blind man said, "I, I, I don't know who this man is. All I know is this. I was blind and now I can see. He couldn't explain it, but he couldn't deny it. So Nicodemus God's part. God's giving you new birth. God's breathing new life. God's blowing on you. God's, giving, God's doing a work in you. What's our part in this? What's our role in spiritual birth? Can we do anything? Well, yes and no, or no and yes. No in the sense that we can't birth ourselves, right? You can't birth yourself. That's the no part. The wind blows where it wills. But in another sense, we need to look to Jesus, we need to look to Jesus and we need to respond to the pool in our lives. Jesus points Nicodemus to another Hebrew text when he goes on later on in John chapter 3, verse 14, he says, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pool in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What's he talking about? He's talking about the time in Exodus chapter 20 where God's people had rebelled against God, and then a plague came upon the people, and serpents were coming and killing the people. And Moses begs and pleads God for help, and God tells Moses, get a bronze snake and put it on, up on a pole. Whoever looks to the bronze snake, whoever sees that serpent is going to live. The symbol of what? Medicine. Today, the symbol of the medical profession today is a bronze serpent on a staff. You, you, you knew it comes from scripture, right? And he says, as that serpent was lifted up, so it says, whoever looks upon the serpent will leave. Jesus said to Nicodemus, whoever looks at the uplifted Christ, whoever looks at Jesus, when he's lifted up on the cross, is going to be able to find new life. Jesus was pointing Nicodemus to something that would happen to Jesus just three years after. And that happening to Jesus would be his crucifixion. Partly as a result of the Sanhedrin's rejection of Jesus. So our part, the cross of Christ, we've got to look to Jesus if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, Jesus said. And then one final question How do we know if we're born again? How do you know? That's a good question, right? I think there are a lot of people who aren't born again who don't think they're born again, but they are. And there are probably a lot of people who think they are, but they're not. Um, it'd be nice to know, right? How do you know? How do you know if you're born again? Well, I think one thing Jesus says right here in the scripture is if you're born again you're going to be moving from darkness into light it goes on in chapter 3 verse 19 God's light came into the world but people love darkness more than the light for their days were evil all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near for fear their sins will be exposed but those who do what is right come to the light so that others may see that they are doing what God wants John chapter 1, he refers to light and darkness there. Lights come into the world. Jesus is the light. The Spirit points you to Jesus. The Spirit reminds you what Jesus said, what Jesus did. The Spirit empowers you to be salt and light in the world. And when the light comes into you, you, you become attracted to the light. Whereas before I used to sort of want to hide in darkness and and cover my, uh, myself now because of Christ, I find it safe because of grace to come into the light and find healing and find grace and find forgiveness and find mercy. The darkness no longer has control over you when you're born again, you're willing to live in the light. You don't run for the darkness. You, you, you welcome the light. You welcome to live in the light. How do you know you're born again? Well, I think if you're really a born-again person, then you see a change taking place that the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in you and through you. The Spirit reproduces the life of Jesus within us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see... You don't become perfect, but you see these things growing in you. The works of the flesh have less hold on you. The fruit of the Spirit begins to evolve and grow in you. I love the story of Nicodemus because it doesn't end in chapter 3. In fact, if you go toward the end of the book, you go to chapter 19 where it tells the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. It talks about a person named Joseph of Arimathea that took Jesus down off of the cross. But I love what John adds in there. And he says that, but he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Think about that. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. And since the tomb was nearby they laid the body there. This man that came to Jesus at night because he was afraid he might be seen in broad daylight carried Jesus' body off the cross and took it to the tomb and prepared it. Fox's Book of Martyr talks about Nicodemus' suffering for the cause of Christ later on. Why? Because God did a work in Nicodemus and Nicodemus was born again. Again. And Nicodemus's life changed, even at that older age of life. I love the rest of the story about Nicodemus, and I would love to, to say, you know, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus when I came to Christ. I was curious when my friend asked me, but I had no clue. Christ drew me. I started to hear the beat of a different drummer. I started to hear the beat of a different drummer. The most prevailing beats that I was hearing was a brother who used to beat me down <laughs> and a father who, who I loved dearly and had, you know, wanted to please mostly. Um, and yet, there was a, things happening there that I was losing respect for. And, uh, and I realized, you know, somebody who knows me better than him, who loves me more than him and my mom, somebody who... Knows my insecurities, my stupidity, my weakness, my sins. He loved me so much that he gave his life for me. When I realized that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he was lifted up, that he did that so that I could be forgiven. And I could be given a new start and a new life. And I could be born again something happened i couldn't explain it something happened something happened my anger inside of me the temper that i had it just faded away it faded away it doesn't mean i don't still have a righteous sense of anger and i don't get but i'm just saying there was a temper there that just faded away my brother could never get under my skin again and i won and i love him dearly That's just one part of what Christ has done. But what about you? What about you? Because I'll confess, that was a long time ago. And though I might have sensed the Spirit filling me, I leak. (laughs) You leak. We all leak, right? It's something about this world system that creeps up on us and life happens and our hearts get hearts get hardened and the spirit leaks out of us what if today could be a, another day for you to start over what, what if day today could be a new day for you to say okay jesus i'm going to quit playing church i'm going to quit playing this faith thing i'm going to really believe it i'm going to really accept it i'm going to really step forward And I would dare say that if I were to ask you the question, where in your life do you need to take a step forward to Jesus, you could probably give an answer. You could probably give an answer. There are areas of your life where you need to just surrender to Jesus and step forward to Jesus. And I can't tell you where that is, but I I promise you the Holy Spirit's already talking to you about that. And where can you step forward? And... Put away the beat of that drummer that's taking you somewhere where you know is not the best place for you to go. And it could be that beat of anger and bitterness, or unforgiveness, or hurt, or, or whatever it may be, or fle- you know, the sin, the flesh, the devil, all those things. It it could be that beat. You just need to, you need to let that drum beat go. You need to tune into a better drummer, a better beat, and start keeping in step with. Jesus with the spirit with the spirit would you bow your heads with me please in John chapter 1 he says to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan but a birth that comes from God. I want you to complete this sentence in your mind. Today I'm going to step forward with Jesus by... Finish that sentence. Today I'm going to step forward with Jesus by... what's that? What follows that for you? of God I just ask you to speak to all of us right now about ways in which we know that we could still grow that your, your spiritual birth is still birthing new things in us I pray for the person here today that's never made that step to you and, and said Jesus I, I, I trust in you I want to step toward you for the first time Maybe today they're sensing that God's doing something in their heart. It's the beginning of a new start, the beginning of a new life. And they're saying, I want to step forward to you, Jesus. Step forward to you, Jesus. And I would dare say a lot of us here in this place have done that. And we've stopped moving forward. Today might be a new beginning for us too. Remind us of the ways in which you worked in our lives in the past, and may that help us to see that there's still room to grow now and still move forward at this stage of life. And I need to step forward, Jesus, by tuning into your still small voice and hearing your beat. Step forward toward you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.